Hey, welcome back to the Freeze-Dried Business Channel. Have you ever tried a freeze-dried frozen yogurt bite? Well, I haven't up until this point, but I've been following for the past few years a company that freeze-dries frozen yogurt, puts them in swirls that are bite-sized, they're delicious. The first and largest ingredient of the frozen yogurt is this pureed fruit. I'm really excited to share with you the interview that I had with the owner of these frozen yogurt bites in this new episode of the Creative Freeze-Drying Series. Let's get to it. I wanted to start focusing on interviewing people who are doing creative things in the freeze drying world to give you new, fresh ideas, things that you can aspire to do with your freeze drying business beyond just doing candy, ice cream, fruit. So in this episode, I'm gonna be interviewing Haskell. He's the owner of a company called Yo's Froyo Bites. Now, he started this company back in New York where he's from. He now just recently, a little over a year ago, shifted and moved his entire company and his family over to California to start commercializing his product. He's done a lot of innovation and a lot of research over 13 years worth to develop this product to get it ready to launch to market. I've been following him for several years on Instagram. He's fantastic. Let's get to the interview. Here with Haskell, who is the owner and founder of Yo's Froyo Bites. Haskell, welcome to our freeze-dried business channel. Welcome to this uh, series. Thank you for joining us. Uh, tell us a little Thank bit you about yourself. Me. Yeah, tell us about this uh, Yo's Froyo Bites. So Yo's Froyo Bites, as an elevator pitch, you could say it's frozen yogurt that never melts. You know, it's kind of like uh, if you would imagine some people know what astronaut ice cream is, you know freeze-dried ice cream sandwiches. So mine is a, is a freeze-dried frozen yogurt. So you take all the water out of the frozen yogurt and that makes it last for a year, you know, instead of regular frozen yogurt, which melts in a few minutes. So uh, nice. yeah, on-the-go froyo. That, that's really what we've developed over the years, over many years. And uh, we're now in getting ready for commercialization. That's the, the stage for so you can bring it to market. Where are you located right now? Where did you start from? Maybe give us your origin story of of where you started, but maybe just tell us where you're at today. Started First of all, I started this when I was living back in New York. I moved to California in September of last year with my family. So we've been in California now for under a year, but before that, we were New Yorkers. And for many years, 12 years, in the basement of our house, we converted the basement into a food lab. And uh, you'll see some reference on, on our Instagram so you can see what the food lab looked like. And uh, for years, we just do experiments down there, you know, and and, uh, and those experiments led to also all sorts of different experiments, mold experiments, uh, the actual product itself experiments, the taste, the texture, you know, and you need to get the vendors to send you the ingredients, the commercial ingredients, not so easy when you have a, a, a home lab, we'll call it, right, which is a very effective home lab for many different reasons, but it's still a home lab. So you have to like, make your way into the system it takes a lot, a lot of time and effort but it's a lot of fun because there's food and you can taste a lot of good ingredients but so now we moved to california to get ready for commercialization to commercialize yo's meaning to start the engine up you know we start creating these on a commercial level to take all the r d that was put into yo's for your bites over the past 13 years and to start using that r d in commercializing the product and that's where we're what we're doing right now yogurt so first it started with with the love of frozen yogurt. I like that nice, fresh, soft serve, the texture, the tartness. I like all that, right? So that really went into my head. And then probably a few years after really binge eating that frozen yogurt, I came across uh, a commercial on TV late at night for freeze dryers. 
you know, so you, I, I buy a freeze dryer. So I started playing around with freeze drying all different things. As anyone that has a freeze dryer does, not that many people have it, you know, with the population, but for the amount of people that do have it, maybe 100,000 people in America have the Harvest Right freeze dryer, maybe 150,000 people. Those people, let's say 10% of them even, they're experimenting, you know, 15,000 people a month are experimenting with all, all different things. And that's what I was yeah. doing for years. What's the origin of actually even thinking of freeze drying? Because that's where a lot of, even myself, I had had freeze dried uh, astronaut ice cream from usually like kids science museums, yeah. but that's the only place you could really find it or freeze dried MREs or like mountain house type of freeze dried meals at REI. But up until three years ago, when I started my business, you know, I didn't really know even what was possible. So how did you kind of come to this uh, original start of like, thinking about freeze drying a lot of it i'll be honest with you a lot of it was using the mind and and constantly just uh looking at options so i thought i wanted to freeze i wanted to freeze dry it because you know back in 2001 which was a long time ago but uh what happened in 2001 the world trade center came down you know i was a new yorker so you see now the world trade center comes down you're witnessing it so and i was right there in new york city witnessing it so oh a lot of doomsday preppers came out, you know what I mean? A lot of people came out and then uh, started looking at, you saw things started coming up in your feed on the internet, like however the algorithm works and it shows you, you know, canned food or freeze dried food by Mountain House and this company and that company and Thrive Life and they'll, you know, all these companies, they have their different consumer brands. Yeah. Uh, so, so I thought this is that's pretty pretty cool, you know. So, and then at the same time, I saw this company that was making freeze dryers uh, and selling them relatively not too expensive. So they're pretty cheap actually for what they are. So, you know, I, I bought myself a freeze dryer and I just experimented with different different things. And because I also had a love for frozen yogurt, I'm gonna you know explore frozen yogurt, regular yogurt, really uh, focusing on dairy foods mainly that's been my main focus but i've experimented with everything you could possibly think of you know what i mean yeah. so from the very common ice cream sandwich that people everyone that has a freeze dryer right, experiments with those uh and obviously the fruits um but there's more to it than just freeze drying it you know there's a texture balance as well you've got to enjoy not just the taste but you have to enjoy the texture so that's what i've been playing around with over the years is to have to deliver a, a fantastic snack that's got Great ingredients, great taste, great texture. Uh, you don't have to have a, a full bag and you're not constantly eating it because you're waiting for your mouth to register some sort of taste. Because with Microbio Bites, I designed it in such a way where you put one in your mouth, you crack one little bite open, and that's enough to give you some sort of experience that you definitely not experienced before by wow. design. By design, my friends and family would come over and they like taste it. They'd be my guinea pigs, and and uh, and, and and they'd be very honest. To ask why I like it, or it sticks to the teeth, or so they give you candid feedback, you know. And when you see people and, and they're enjoying it, and they give you advice, and you tweak, you tweak it. Tweaking sometimes takes a while. Not so easy to get uh, something less crunchy or more crunchy or less sticking on the on the teeth, or you know, don't stick on the teeth at all. It's called a, a mouthwash. You know, mouthwashes and you eat something. Yes. How does it go down your mouth? How long does it last in your mouth? If it, if it tastes, if it tastes last in your mouth for a whole minute, that may be good for you as a consumer. But the manufacturer is like, okay, well, you're going to end up selling less and making less money, and you know, then you have scaling issues. So everything has got like part of the matrix, so to speak, and everything has to be done in a certain way. And that's part of the twelve years is 
figuring out what I wanted the product to be exactly. I knew I wanted yogurt, frozen yogurt, something that was better for you. If you look at nine out of 10 snacks in America, people snacking on not good snacks for you. You know, and they were talking about fried potato chips, um, yes. like cookies. So, um, so I tried to build something as well over the years that was better for you, loaded with fruit, with real fruit, not artificially flavored strawberries uh, or naturally flavored strawberries because they use a natural ingredient, but there's no real strawberry in there, but they're allowed to call it, according to the FDA, naturally flavored as if it had a, natural, a real strawberry in it. So a lot of people play with words and this and that, but when you, when you eat my furry bites, you don't really have to say anymore. No words need to be describing what you're eating. And that's really the, the goal. That's how you become a household brand. One person likes it. They tell everyone else about it. And that's how you spread the word and you market it at the right price and bingo. Now, all of a sudden, you're part of a, a big thing over here. It's not, yeah. I like there isn't a snack that's been made so far that brings in a community. You know, what do you if you have Pringles or, or, or peanuts or whatever, Snickers, you're not part of a community. You're enjoying the experience for sure. But you're not part of a community. So it's nice to be able to bring people in to the inner circle, I call it. You know, that's why I like dealing with people directly on my Instagram is because I feel like everyone's part of the inner inner circle. Everyone gives me their feedback and and they learn at the same time you know, that you're going to have issues yeah. and trials and tribulations and obstacles and challenges and you just got to rise up and, you know, and alter every single time gracefully and, and deal with one issue after the other. Wow, 13 years of R&D and also just development. I mean, that seems like a long time. And especially for someone like me who's been in freeze drying for three years, and for the audience that's watching this, you know, that seems like a lot of time to dedicate to it. Could you have done it faster? Could you, um, is there, is that how long it typically takes to develop a really solid product like you have to then go commercial? Okay, that, that's, that is a great question. I decided what I was going to do is to learn myself. Right now, when you're, it's like asking a surgeon, right, or a doctor, or a lawyer, you know, or or a, or a structural engineer, that go, you have to go through regular school, junior high, high school, college, become an expert, get all your all your stuff, right. So, could you do it? You're asking a surgeon or a pilot, even before you get on that plane, could you have done it quicker? Do you want to do it quicker? You know what I mean? Could you have done it as a surgeon? Could you have done it quicker? Some things you could do quicker, right? But what I wanted to do is I wanted to encompass all the research myself. And then after research and development, is not develop, it's not DNR, it's R&D. Because first you do the research, and then you develop all that research that you've gotten, right? So the research was a fun, exploratory project for me. You know, research is yeah. going to trade shows, all the different kinds of food engineering trade shows, food processing trade shows, food ingredient trade shows, um, also trade shows for... Uh, mechanical engineering for 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 mold making for filling molds for scientific expos because oh man sorry, i don't want to spin off and you know go talk about too many things but you can you i could have done something bigger but i wanted to be part of a, a a movement you know i want this to be not just something oh here's another guy that bought a snack food company to market and he's making a living off of it and that's it. That's my story. Okay, even if I make a good living off of it, that's my story. No, you need to take the that that oh, that that uh, the, the collaboration of unity of human human beings, and do much more even beyond the froyo side of things. So that's given me in the last four years. I've I've had the, the the a lot of fun being on Instagram and growing the audience, 
And that's something that took four years, had to be done organically. Could I have paid someone and done, had 20,000 followers all in a day? Yeah, you pay the right amount of people, you have followers, but all of a sudden there's followers that don't know you, don't know anything about you, they'll unfollow you over a few years, they've got no connection to you, they have no idea what you do, who you are, so they'll unfollow you. So I like doing it the slow way, I like learning myself. That way when you sit down in a meeting with a with a whoever you can, I can go through a list of names whether, whether it's a lawyer a co-packer there's a dairy farm a mold maker uh, accountant the patent lawyer whoever you're sitting down with because you've done your research you can have a proper conversation with that person yes. and they'll take you seriously and you'll know where you're spending your money because you've done your research so, uh, and you know, I don't have to hire now a bunch of people to say, oh, I have this behind this office door, I have this is my research development manager, behind this door is my X, Y, and Z manager, this over there, well, each manager costs 150 grand a year, whatever whatever it is. It's expensive to do that, right? And it's not really helping me at all, you know, and it's not, you know, for the consumer to get the best possible mm, deal with me, I've done my research, trust me, uh, you could call me an expert just for my tenure, you know what I mean? Just because I've been studying the industry, I've been reading every trade magazine, when you read trade magazines, you know how helpful that is? This for anyone in any trade. You read a trade magazine, it shows you everything about your trade, from trade to trade, right? So what is a trade magazine and where do you get them from, right? You go, for, you go to a trade show. We can speak about that as well. You go to a trade show. At the trade show, you have the trade magazines relevant to that trade show, right? If you're going to, if you're a mechanic, you go to a, a car trade show, you'll see trade show magazines, you know, different to subscription magazines, they may be subscription magazines, but they're for the trade. And you have so much content over there. You know, people, what goes in, generally speaking, what goes in an article is people speak about interesting things. You know? And you go, in these trade, uh, in these, uh, trade magazines, here you want like food engineering, food processing. So you keep on reading the, the CEOs and the presidents and the vice presidents. They speak about their product, you know, and so you get to read about all the new things going on in the industry. And uh, and you do that month after month, subscription after subscription, year after year, you get a broad scope of knowledge. So that's that, that was really, really helpful. Going to the trade shows, walking up and down the aisles, every single aisle. You know, that's a big, big, big thing that, you yeah, know, you miss one aisle. <laughs> that's part of the research. So I think about it. That's how I kept myself busy for years doing research and, and playing with ingredients. Ingredients just kept on playing. Oh, man. In countless ingredient experiments with because yeah. think about how many configurations there are think about lottery numbers what are the eight numbers you have to choose i don't even know each state may be different but you have to search right but if it was so easy oh there's only eight numbers you could pick those eight no problem but you take eight ingredients or a variety of ingredients and infinite amounts of concoctions and different ideas and, and different experiments that you could do so that's good i think artificial is going to help by the way i don't want to go off the beaten path but ai will really help with the search for narrowing down the let's say i wanted a mango froyo bite that was crunchy but not too crunchy let's say a seven on the crunch factor i wanted it to taste of like an indian alfonso mango you know what i mean so yeah. if i didn't already make that myself then you can put that into an ai and maybe even tell you how to make it and this and that in the future so you'll be able to come out with new snacks that'll open up new doors so what is the product the product is um frozen your owner was coming up Lori, maybe in there but the product is frozen yogurt, um, which I handcrafted over the years, experimenting with many different frozen yogurt formulas, different to yogurt. Frozen yogurt and yogurt is, the only difference is not the fact that it's frozen, 
or that it has the word frozen in it. There's more different, right? You could take uh, milk and put some probiotics with it, and all of a sudden, like a day later, or however long it takes, you can, you know, as it's culturing, you're making a yogurt. Yes. Uh, and then you have the frozen yogurt, which is being specifically designed for frozen yogurt machines, for the frozen yogurt experience, for the soft serve, maybe you pull the handle, it comes down to the cup. So, um, so those, if you think about it, that has many different, uh, much more uh, ingredients than regular yogurt, which could be two ingredients, regular yogurt, right? So it has to have in different, different ingredients inside it, frozen yogurt, because it's intended for the soft serve machine in the summer, you eat your froyo, you don't want it to melt too quickly. So it's got, um, like it has body added to it. Right in the form of of gums, with guar gums, uh, they're like uh, very common ingredients. You know, we're talking about natural ingredients over here, but uh, yeah. They're, so they're like they help give the the, the product that. Mm, I'll, I'll give an example. Right, if this was frozen right now, obviously that would melt in the hand. Yes. Right. There's no doubt about that. But looks like a, what, it looks now, like a cupcake. It, it looks, looks like, like a, a little cupcake. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But when uh, you hear a crunch a little bit, and how do I got. That's how we get the design to build the, the, the molds over the years. This is one of the molds that we've used. So that also takes time. When you asked me the question before, you know, why does it really take so many years to get the mold ready for commercialization took so many variations and generations and make one little change can throw off everything because you've got a molding machine. You have mold and you have a molding machine, right? So you have, you have to fill the mold. There's a whole other machine. Then you have to freeze it. And a whole other uh, machine that gets down to like minus 35 degrees, so ultra, ultra cold. And then when you've got it in here and it's frozen ultra cold, you have to demold it. And all these steps take a lot of uh, thought, a lot of uh, engineering, a lot of experimenting. You do all the research in the world and then you go to test it. Then you can do all the testing in the world, but you're testing it ultimately in either my, my lab back in New York or over here in my garage. We're doing it quite, you know, but you can accomplish a lot of testing in your own environment, there's no yes. doubt. You do a lot of tests. Um, you don't have to go and spend money in an R and D lab, and, and you know you can do what you've got, your resource that you have available. I don't have to go out. I didn't have to go out and get commercial ingredients to do all of my tests. A lot of the ingredients that people want, you can just go to the supermarket and get get ingredients, right? So you're buying it in, in retail packaging, but ultimately, where does that manufacturer, if you're buying uh, powdered um, cacao? Right, how you pronounce it? The chocolate, the chocolate powdered chocolate. Yeah. Or anything, anything you buy, right? Even if you, even in coffee, right? In the coffee company, they're not making. I don't doubt very much they're making the coffee, right? They're buying it, they're putting it in the bottle, and they're putting their brand on it. Yes. Depending on depending on the manufacturer, obviously, and what brand it is. But I've got uh, five launching flavors. Four of those launching flavors are fruit based, and the first ingredient on the back of the package, you'll see the ingredients. The first ingredient is fruit. Fruit outweighs every other ingredient. So even though it's a frozen yogurt market, it's a frozen yogurt snack, but it's got the most wonderful fruit puree concentrate. Um, it will be organic, although I'm not, I'm not marketing it as organic, to be honest with you, because it's a little unreliable, the organic market. Sometimes it's available, sometimes it's not available. So I'm yeah. just, it's just a bonus that people are going to get. Um, so, you know, for 70 calories a serving, and there's like 18, 17, 18 pieces per serving. It's like a Starburst. You put one in your mouth. And it's like you just close your eyes and enjoy that experience, right? So you imagine yeah. 18 times of that, putting it in your mouth, closing your eyes. You have more than enough after 18 pieces. Uh, some people desire a second bag. There's no doubt. Maybe even a third bag. Well, I've got, I've got a, 
I've got a bad sweet tooth for my entire life. So <laughs> I could see myself eating a bunch of those. So tell us a little bit about, you know, just the, the freeze drying process though. Okay. So there's like different processes depending because you've got now the R and D process, right? Which is the rustic one, the one that's done in my home lab over here in the garage in California, my home right over here. So that one involves freezing the mold, right? When over here in the lab, really what you're trying to do is you're trying to figure out, the, I'm trying to figure out the best way to fill the mold, to demold the mold and do all that. You could do that and strategize and, and, and think about how to do that over here while, while I'm in the lab. Um, so the way it's done over here, the residential way, we're saying the non-commercial way is once you demold, I store the demolded froyo in the freeze dryer because the freeze dryer freezes and dries, you know. So right. it's got a nice holding temperature of a minus 30, 35, minus 35 degrees. That's a lovely holding temperature. So it enables the demolding and the storing, right? And then once you build up enough volume, then you do, uh, then you settle it all nicely on the trays. And then you freeze dry it. And the freeze drying, the way freeze drying works, as you know, but for those, the, those of you that it's not so um, obvious, is the more liquid, the longer it's going to take, right? Yeah. So um, we're talking now maybe in 90% liquid. So it does take time. Yeah. Also, that's relative to the type of machine that's being used as well. You know, over the years, yeah. I figured this out. There's all sorts of different variations of different machines. There are these big commercial 10,000-pound machines. Uh, they can handle 10,000 pounds of, of frozen yogurt or strawberries or ice cream sandwiches or whatever the commodity is that's going into it. Or you've got these smaller, like Harvest Right type machines that may handle 20 pounds of food capacity. Yes. They're very, very different. Uh, and they do give you different results as well. So, uh, but for over here in the, in the homes, homeschool uh, way of doing it is, you know, it's all laid out in the trays and then I freeze dry it. And once it's freeze dried, it takes 24, 30 hours, sometimes 38 hours. If I, the more, water you're loading into the machine the longer it takes it's, you know so and the better you balance it on all the trays if you've got five tray system you put in equal amounts it makes it you know, better for the sensors yep. so that when you take it out it's done it's all even you don't have to put it back in again but in and out so the sensors that's help what, yeah and and, and uh, that's what we've i've found for th over three years is you know when people say you, you know how do you freeze dry something what's the process well you know the freeze dryer has a start stop button. I mean, it, it does the process all itself. That's what the technology is in those harvest rights, in those stay fresh machines, in these freeze dryers, right? For home use specifically, you know, you're just doing that. But the, the I guess the trick of it or not that it's not even a trade secret, but it's just research and development is, hey, how do I get something to come out very consistently and also so that I can forecast how long something's going to take to freeze dry. Do I know that it's completely frozen, uh, like dry and that it's uh, able to store in different ways. And I think that's kind of the chemistry of it all. Even for candy, it's, you know, ca different candies expand and change texture and take certain lengths of time to do. And uh, I did a video recently on lemon heads and on power or uh, airheads. And the specifically for lemon heads, it's a harder shell candy. And so most of most of the candies that started out were non-hard shell because there wasn't a way to basically kind of get that outer shell melted or soft enough to then have the freeze dryer expand the candy through the vacuum process. And so what people have figured out is a way to just soften that, which is just a higher temp, either you know, cottage food operators have a little bit of a luxury where they can go into their oven 
in their house or something like that and heat that up. But, uh, you know, you'd have to be at a commercial place where you're heating the oven, you have the right temperature, and that's a lot more complicated. But the freeze dryers now, the new software on Harvest Right allows you to go up to 150 degrees. And so I did get the lemon heads to work. But just speaking to that process is freeze drying. Yes, it's just a button that you press to say start the process, but there's a lot more to it of getting things consistent and having yes. the consistent amount of weight on each tray as well as like not, not overloading it um, is very yeah. key. And I bought, yeah. I recently bought a, uh, a stay fresh freeze dryer. It's this new manufacturer out of California and it's about this. It's in between a, a medium harvest right and a large harvest right, but they have a temperature probe that you can put into the food uh, prior to freeze drying process, and so it'll actually measure the dryness and the moisture activity in that fr- in the food. This question, Haskell, I have for you is: a lot of us have harvest right freeze dryers. Yeah, that is an up and coming brand. I just recently bought, like I've said, the Stay Fresh freeze dryer out of California and I'm really liking what I'm seeing, but there's a lot of industrial freeze dryers, commercial freeze dryers. Maybe just tell us, you know, where, what freeze dryer did you start out with and what's it looked like over time and how, like, what do you have today to tell us? I started off with one harvest right, small freeze dryer for shelf system. I enjoyed that for about a year. Uh, and then they launched a bigger one. So I bought the small one. And then the second second one I added to it. And I liked Harvest, right? Because the user interface is the same. It's like an iPhone 10, 11, 12, 13 user interface is user interface, right? It's just different camera, a faster processor, but you're used to it. A company in America that's made in America doing their thing and servicing consumers or their, their customers, I think they do a pretty good job of it. But when I was at the very beginning and, and not knowing how to use the freeze dryer, they're there. The customer service is there. You know, they have a warranty and they have an extended warranty as a manufacturer there. You know, who offers other than like Apple, I don't know all the companies out there, obviously, but how many co- companies are, offer even an extended warranty that's legit? You know what I yeah. mean? So like all my freeze dryers that and I've only had harvest, right? Uh, I had 12 or 11 of the large ones, the five shell systems, and one wow. small one, my baby that I got in the beginning. So I was planning on using them for, for scaling, for coming to market, you know? So, uh, cause they are commercial quality. They could pass cause they've got stainless steel, you know, and, and they've got all the right license uh, certificates and everything. And the, the thing is though, if you're, when you're scaling, right, unless you're selling the product for a lot of money, you have to take into consider. Well, either way, you have to take into consideration your cost of making that batch. I'm talking about the energy now. You know, think yes. about one machine has a pump that and a compressor. The freeze dryer itself has that compressor condenser with, uh, inside it, and then you've got the the vacuum pump. The vacuum pump, if I think, what takes a lot of electricity. I haven't broken it down. What takes what? I just know I look at the bill. You know, you could tell the bill. You got one freeze dryer running all the time. Your bill can easily go up from a residential rate double what your residential rate is just for having that one freeze dryer running all the time. Yeah. So, and then it just goes up incrementally, right? Imagine if you have ten of those running. You know, your bill can easily be if you have ten machines running, you can have a two a two thousand dollar month bill easily. So, you know, you have to amortize that cost. Just that alone has to go into the price of your goods that you're selling, whatever that is. Any anything it is, whatever it is, you have to amortize it. Yes. So. So, um, so yeah, my experience is with Harvest Right, and they've always been very good for me. 
to be honest yeah. with you. You know, I, I like watching them grow. And where are you at today? Like, what do you own today? So as of today, I sold all my all but two of my freeze dryers because I decided I was going to I was going to start commercialization with a bigger batch freeze dryer, maybe a two or a 400 pound capacity freeze dryer or even a 4,000 pound capacity freeze dryer when you scale up a little bit more. And those are already, uh, we're talking different. They're not Harvest Right, you know, although I think that um, Harvest Right probably will be coming out with a bigger one soon, you know, for commercial, you know, to make it commercially viable, maybe maybe something bigger, you know, I can envision something much bigger than what they have today, but works off of one pump, you know, so it's more economical to run, more meant for the commercial consumer is if they were smart they would probably do that i would imagine yeah. that so we'll we'll, that, we'll see that coming up i don't have experience with other vendors i've had other manufacturers reach out to me hi haskell you'd be interested in uh, one of our freeze dryers it's uh, x y and z they sell you on it and when you ask them for the details it's nothing what they say it is you know what i mean that's the experience that i've had with um unless you're going to there's also a mid scale uh, uh, manufacturer you can go to meaning a, a manufacturer that will make you a mid-size freeze dryer maybe maybe a 400 or an 800 pound capacity freeze dryer you can get those custom made as well yeah. uh but that's not it's expensive these things no, nothing here is inexpensive they're very very costly and you either have a good capital expense ready to go and hope for the best or you have some pre-sales which are hard who are you going to get pre-sales from so you kind of have to have liquid to pour into the game to invest in these big commercial freeze dryers uh or or you go to uh what's called a toll processor you know a toll processor is one of these big companies that all they have is these vastly big freeze drying chambers and all they do is freeze dry all day every day they don't process food in any way right so this is what they told they call these guys freeze drying toll processors it's almost like you're, you're paying a toll they do the project they give it back to you and it's done contract toll freeze drying many different names it has but that's really what you're doing you know you're making a bigger batch of whatever it is that you want them to make for you whether it's freeze-dried skittles freeze-dried candy whatever it is the bigger the ba- bigger it's like scaling anything the bigger the batch you can give them uh then it's also going to bring your cost down you may have to lay out more money. Conversely, you're going to have to lay out more money to get it done in the first place. <laughs> so, yeah, you, know, you yeah. may think, oh, I need the audience. Who am I going to sell these things to? Uh, you know, these companies, they will have such big, high minimum quantities. You've got to take a leap of faith at some point in time. And you'll know when only you know when you're ready to take that leap because, you know, you've done your research or not. If your anxiety is telling you, oh, I don't know. It's such a big deal. Should I make this? Should I go with the minimum quantity or not? It's a 1000 you know, pound order, which resembles maybe a $2,000 commitment or $5,000 commitment, whatever it is, or a $10,000 commitment, it's nerve-wracking. You know, you, you, only the individual knows. You know, yeah. that's true. If you're not sure, then don't do it. A lot of questions get asked around packaging for freeze-dried products. One, how did you know that your product was dry um, to enough to package? How do you test that? And then number two is, how did you figure out the right package to know what the shelf life might be. How do you tell it's dry? You tell it's dry because you put one in your mouth and you bite down, just like you know when a Cheetos is dry. There's no uh, extra monitoring or censoring. Maybe it's because I've been doing it for so long, you know, many, 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 many years now, so that you, like, you just know, you know, you put it, you take one out of the batch, you know, you have you have this over here, you open it up, you take one out. If it's soft in any way, if it doesn't get 
right from the outside all the way to the inside, like a Captain Crunch cereal, crunchy all the way. You could tell, you could tell that something was off with it. You just tell that nothing better than the human sensor, you know, from the smell and the taste and and maybe maybe the eye censoring close up as well. So you know, we're the best robots you know, yes. that you could probably get. You know, what I mean? <laughs> so that, so that's so that's how I do that. And then what you do is you also send you send out the product for uh, testing. You know, so when you get the nutrition facts at the back of it, I don't make those up. You know, they get sent out to a lab. The lab asks, you know, what ingredients are going in there and you know, how much of each ingredient goes in there. And then they do the, they do some for real, for real tests, like actually scientific tests where they use droplets of whatever chemicals to get certain responses back. And then they use uh, common analytical testing and, and current testing that's in the system as well. You know, there's some common things that they use. So, you know, like when it's 70 calories a serving, do we know down to the micro calorie that it's 70 calories? Could be 69, could be 71. But science, the, 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 the way they do it at the food lab is they tell you, here's, your, here's what your serving is, and that's that. So one thing that I've found is nutritional. I think everyone knows by now, for those that don't know, you know, when you freeze dry something, it keeps 98% of its nutritional value, which is really nice, Right. And especially since fruit is the first ingredient that goes in. So whatever uh, fruit ha uh, is in there, if it's mango, if it's strawberry, if it's raspberry, if it's blueberry, whatever fruit's in there, you're getting, you know, whatever 98% of that nutritional value is. What does go away, though, unfortunately, are the probiotics. The probiotics, get, if you think about it, you know, they're probiotics in your gut. They're living organisms that are quite fragile, you know. Uh, so... What happens is, is that you, you've got this microorganism, this, this probiotic that's getting heated up, right? The cold, it can withstand. It can go down to like that, minus 20, minus 30, no problem. I don't even know how it does it. But when it gets hot, it, there's only a certain temperature it can take. So once it gets to, um, I, don't know, I, I, I don't know the exact number, I mean, let's say 100 degrees, let's just say, you know, so, and they die off. So what you could do is let's say you put a billion probiotics when, when you start man manufacturing on the day of, of making the batch, you're making the, the formula, you mix the powdered probiotics, they're all live and ready to go. And if you drank it or ate it like that, it'd be great. But once you put it into the freezer, once you mold it, give it shape, put it into the freeze dryer, take it out, your billion is now worth 100 million. 100 million may sound a lot, but it's really not when you've got trillions inside you. So, and there's certain claims that you can make if it did really have a billion when it got in your mouth throughout the life of its one year shelf life, I'm giving it. So if it went in your mouth, that's, I would have to say if it's got a billion probiotics on the packaging, then it has to deliver a billion probiotics until the end of that one year. Even the truth is, is at the end of making the batch, I've already lost 90%. So I've only got hundred million. Also, additionally, that hundred million though will now last for the rest of that 12 months, probably even further. You know what I mean? Once it's stabilized again and yes. it doesn't have that extreme added to it, then it's going to last again. So if I wanted to deliver a billion, I could add, let's say, uh, what is it, 100 billion. Let's say I wanted you to get 1 billion, right? So let's say there's a 90% kill off, whatever the number was. I could just keep on adding probiotics as well and eventually give you the number that you want. But, you know, probiotics, they have character to them. They have a, a tone, undertone, a taste. So if you add too much probiotics and you've got, it ends up being too, actually, as a taste, you know, I, and being around this stuff, I get the, the luxury of tasting what like the, the liquid probiotic tastes like, but it's like a, a very tartness, a tart flavor. 
but yes. not the tart that a lot of people are familiar with. They go into a frozen yogurt shop and they're like, oh, I can have tart froyo, please. Um, that tart froyo, you know, a lot of it is um, artificially flavored, that tartness. My, my flavoring is not artificial flavor. I actually tried my hardest for years to stay away from anything that was artificially flavored. So like my strawberry froyo bites, they're flavored with real strawberries. I figured out in the beginning, I used to use those... Uh, those uh, uh, square sachets that are supposed to, you put it in uh, a, a bag or a jar, you put it in there with your freeze dried goods and yes. it helps some, it does some miracle where it gets rid of any moisture in it. Oh, <laughs> it's not true. Okay. It's <laughs> nonsense. Biggest nonsense. A waste yes. of money. Whoever came up with that is marketing it to, to, uh, I, reason, I think. I, now here's the thing. I fell into that, but I did a vid video recent uh, this year about uh, three questions that you need to stop asking yourself about freeze drying. And one of those was about oxygen absorbers and desiccant packets for candy specifically. It ruins candy. But what I've heard is that the uh, nitrogen gas and uh and and filling that and then extracting oxygen is actually the way to go because you're rather than trying to let an oxygen absorber absorb the oxygen in the bag, you're taking the oxygen out, and that's a better way to uh, to make sure that oxygen that one component doesn't impact the the lifetime of that particular. I'll give you an even better one. Okay. Instead of investing money in in nitrogen, right, flushing it with nitrogen and the, on the machine that's needed for the nitrogen. The best, best, best way is by keeping your production room environment low, low, low humidity. If you can't get it to no humidity because it's not realistic, okay. But if you're at a 30 or a 40% humidity, which happens very common right now, I'm in California, I wouldn't be, I don't know what it is today, but it feels very muggy in, in the in the air. And in the Northeast, it's really, in New York, it's swampy. You know, you're like, oh my God, I sweat so much over there. So... Uh, you want to make sure that that production area that you have has got dehumidifiers running 24-7 so that when you take the product out the freeze-dry chamber, right, and it's and you do the taste test and you do the, or the crunch test, make sure that it's good, uh, you want to package it really quickly. So you could package it, if as long as your room is nice and there's no humidity, you could package it straight away, which I do. I put them in here. There's no, no sachets in here to keep it extra dry. But I make sure that uh, that it's closed nice and tight so this is one way of doing it a mason jar right probably one of the best ways of doing it then you have a metalized pouch this one's a stand-up version right it doesn't have to be stand-up but there's a stand-up version and then you've got those uh jars but you don't need to put anything in those as long as you package it uh quickly from the freeze-dried chamber Exactly. You've got to do it. You kind of leave it out and take your time, take a bunch of photos. And before you know it, an hour later after you come back, it's all soft. And you're like, oh, you know, you can put it back in and put it back. As long as you haven't put the freeze dryer on defrost, yeah. you can put it back in the freeze dryer. But that's part of the learning curve. <laughs> that I mean, I ensure that with anything within my control, with which means the humidity in the environment in the room, maybe if, if I'm outside, because a lot of freeze dryers are outside in the garage. So if I'm outside, I'll check on the app on the weather app, make sure the humidity is not swampy. Or you, or if it comes out of the freeze dryer and it is swampy, you just do the quick thing. Don't start pouching it, taking your time, doing all that. You do it, just put it in mason jars quickly, get out of the freeze dryer. But I always take it out of the freeze dryer once the, the 
the racking system is at that looks 100, 120 for about five minutes. You know, so you want to get rid of the extra vape, any possible extra vapor that's there. Yeah, they say it's not necessary. Harvester, I always said it's not necessary. I think it's necessary to be honest. Okay, so because everything helps. Well, what I also like to ask you is, you know, um, where do you feel like freeze drying is headed in the industry? I mean, what excites you about what you're seeing? Because, you know, I've got this YouTube channel. There's, you know, I'm talking to you from someone who is only three years young into doing this, but there's a lot more manufacturers coming out with freeze dryers. There's a lot more people developing products, a lot more just out there and a lot more brand awareness of freeze drying from not only just candy, but now fruit. All right. So the two things I'm going to say, the first thing is that the big freeze drying um, um, institutions, right, privately owned companies, uh, there are three, four of them in America, probably several in China, some in Europe, some in Turkey, the Middle East, you know, this in India, not much though. But so they're, they're kind of like scattered out. So in, in, in Australia, in, in Korea, they have South Korea, they have uh, plants that do freeze drying chambers in Germany, Italy. So, uh, but these freeze drying companies, they're so big and their focus is on freeze drying the commodity for other food manufacturers. Let's say, as an example, there's a canned soup company and they have peas inside there or or uh, or carrots, diced carrots. So they may get the freeze-dry peas and diced carrots and put it in there so that when the consumer gets it, it still feels like, oh, it's still fresh. Otherwise, you put one that's already boiled in there, it may become mush over time. Yes. You know, so, you know, so I'm just trying to go with the thought logic over here, you know, so we can all like, have understand. I'm not saying this is the process that they use, but, you know, freeze-drying is something that's been growing exponentially for every freeze-dry institution, company that I've spoken to since I started uh, doing my research. Every year, I mean, a doubling business is just a great business to be in, right? So what that is great for their financial statements, right? But what it does do is it takes away from the focus of uh, innovation. They all, every one of them, have, every single one, other than, bar none that I know of at least, have any sort of focus on innovation because they're busy. So if they have, they come across new employees that they're hiring, it's for sales. Go out and get us more sales. When they, what are they selling? They're selling freeze-dried, whatever the commodity is, you know, peas, yeah. carrots, strawberries, raspberries. That's one side. That's the industrial institution, the big companies, right? Then you've got the harvest right users, let's just say, you know, and then everyone else underneath that. But we'll say 99% of what's out there right now, I'm, I'm confident to say probably 99, maybe 98% of what's out there right now is harvest right. Yes, America, right? I'd agree. I'm throwing a number out there, you know, maybe 150,000 people in America that have a harvest right freeze dryer. Um, now we've got some of those people that use it uh, every day, once a week, once a month, never. It just sits in the garage, you know. But if you take even 1% of 150,000 people, right, that's uh, 15, that's uh, 1,500 people. 1,500 people, let's just say that 1% is constantly working on it, you know. So those people that are constantly working on it, they get creative after a while and they do things and they test things. I believe that the biggest opportunity is to tap into the harvest right audience, right? 
Uh, what I'd like to see happen, uh, if it doesn't happen while I'm well until the time I do it, if it happens before I do it, great. If it doesn't, then I'll do it when the time is right. But I'd like to make like an incubator for all these people that have genius ideas. They don't know, have a clue on how to bring it to market in a commercial, scalable way. Right. So we'll tap into my resources, back into my knowledge, my resources, my, my, my experience from uh, because if I'm doing it for myself, then I've done it. Let's just say, you know, once I've done it and I've done it with the hardest thing possible, which is molded 92 percent liquid water, the demolding part, the conveyor belts, the filling machines. If I end up if I do end up figuring it out, you know, I haven't started yet but if i do then that's a great resource to to a playbook let's just say to do it over and over again you know what i mean from the packaging to marketing to distribution to pricing it right to getting you know to which trade shows to go to to meet what kind of people and organizations so uh, it just makes it easier when you can repeat it over and over again but i would think the biggest potential is that harvest right family it's funny on the industrial side um you know i i get contacted on my instagram about, you know, would you be interested in buying some of our freeze-dried fruit from, you know, Singapore and Thailand, things like that? I'm like, no, um, I, I just want to maintain my, the quality that I know I'm putting in there, things like that. And the second part of it is I, I go to local grocery stores and they're carrying some of these uh, freeze-dried apples and things like that. But when you look at the packaging, I did a short on this on YouTube short, yeah. is I looked at the packaging and it said made from Thailand. Uh, sourced from Thailand, sourced from China. And it's an American company, uh, but they're buying all their freeze-dried stuff and then packaging it. And, you know, I just like supporting, I like supporting America. I like it. America breathes out and produces a lot of innovation and business. And we're the one of the unique countries that has a lot of access to be able to build your own business from whatever you want. Uh and that's what's great about America. So I want to support that. But I've just on the industrial side, a huge market for global. Um, I was going to say on just for my own commentary on this interview, speaking of where I think the trend is, I've mentioned this before, but America has the highest food waste rate in the whole country or the whole world. We're close to 40% of the average household waste for, uh, 40% of their food. And that's, bad, right? that's incredible. And I think we can do better with food preservation and helping our grocery stores as freeze dryers, as the all these harvest right, let's say those small freeze dried people that have it in their garage or have a small operation. We can do our part by partnering with those grocery stores to find what's going to be wasted and freeze drying that and preserving it either for our own usage or possibly going to a food bank and offering it to them or people like that to give them fresh produce. So I think we can do that. And that, that's where I think the the food preservation side of freeze drying is going to take off is helping to reduce our, our food waste. Haskell, what advice would you give people who are watching this today who are aspiring to be a freeze-dried business owner or a business owner freeze-drying something do something just keep go, go. you know whether you're, you're doing uh whether you want to just go straight into doing cottage food law sales you know and go to, to the market and get feedback and and what you're doing is you're going to perfect your craft so let's just say you know you, you ask your customers what do you think of the product and they may say x y and z and take the x y and z and you see if you can make it a little bit better you know, what would they like to see? Just keep on getting constructive criticism from as many people as possible. 
Uh, and that's probably the best thing to do. And there's no rush. You know, you'll know when you're ready to start launching your business, you know, and you may just be around the corner to launch. You may be five years ahead from launching. You'll figure that out. You know, no one knows better than you. And you'll, you'll know when you're ready. But um, I think doing research is really important. Doing taste testing is really important and texture testing and, and, um, and, and just keep going. It doesn't cost any money to have that go button in your mind. You know, that go, go, go. What is it, what is it really costing? It's just a mentality where you go and, and you explore and you, do your, you, you reach out to people and you network with people and you, you just keep on going and going and going. You know, you, everyone has food in the fridge they can freeze dry and experiment with. So I think the people that have the love for what they do, those are always the ones that do well, right, in any industry. So, yes. um, you know, if you, if you love what you do, you're going to do well. Just keep doing it. Find a passion. Find every, I would make that everything that you do, make a passion out of it. Everything. So yeah. if everything is a passion, then you're doing things passionately and you get to just create things that rather than just doing them on, on you know, just over and over and over things. And you're doing it for the passion. You explore things in a different way. You look at them in a different way. And maybe you want to present your findings to the world yeah. in a different way. So uh, yeah, that's why I just keep on going. Perseverance. Thank you so much for your time today. Where can people actually find out about Yo's, Froyo Bites? I put all my stories out on Instagram. So uh, you know, the handle is at Yo's Froyo Bites. You'll see a, the heart in the logo. So, you know, that's the right company. 